This is CliffCentral.com. A warm welcome to Global Leadership Platform, our leadership masterclass every single week. And it's wonderful to be with you. Multiplying leaders, moving society, that's what we try to do. I'm Adrian Grunewald. And for our masterclass uh, this week, uh, before I do that, our website, leadershipplatform.com. One word, two P's in the middle. But our special guest is Edith Fenter. And before I came here, I was with two executives in a large bank. And they immediately perked up and I said, I'm from here. I'm going to interview Edith Fenter. Become quite a brand. <laughs> but before we go there, Edith Fenter, of course, uh, from the ultimate group. And uh, she's had an interesting life, starting as a secretary, ending up as a businesswoman and influencer. Edith, welcome. Good to have you on the leadership platform. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor to be here. It's lovely to be in your home, right by your office. Such a pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Edith, what does the name tell us about you, Ultimate Group? It used to be another name, but Ultimate, does it say something about Edith? It does, in a way. Um, our, our registered original name was Edith Fenter Promotions, and we then wanted to rebrand, which we did, and it then became as a trading as, um, and it's now the Ultimate Group. And we we feel we give ultimate service in with regards to events that we do, services that we render to our, our corporate clients as well as our charity organizations, which, of course, are very close to my heart. And, and I'm still going to, are oh, you not the ultimate almost? And, and, I mean, I had this mind. <laughs> well, know, that would be very presumptuous of me to <laughs> say I was the ultimate anything. <laughs> well, and in the past, and we won't go into the history, and sorry that I'm bringing it up, but the, the no. name was Unlimited, and that, that seemed to match you as well. Yes. So ultimate and unlimited, I'm doing it in that context. Yes. You're unlimited, yes. go for things, go oh, for absolutely. life. Absolutely. And nothing is too much. You know, there's nothing we can't do or we won't do or we won't offer to clients you know if they, they give us a call and say can you do this we say absolutely even if we've never done it before it's something we will research and we will do it because that's what we feel we need to do for our clients Edith you've rebranded yourself in a way or repositioned yourself many times in life but starting as a flight secretary as I, as I read to executive wife to society hostess that's how you position yourself and most recently formidable businesswoman just filling the gaps i mean two minutes on your career your life but okay. that's where it started i mean you didn't just uh, leave school and marry rich and get no, on with life no no not at all i think it's you know people tend to look at sometimes the sort of end product and think oh well that was so easy no it wasn't i think life we all know deals us a lot of um ups and downs and curveballs and and stuff along the way that we need to deal with, but that's all the stuff that makes us grow. And uh, people always say, do you regret anything in your life? And I always say no, because if I do, I wouldn't be sitting here today. And I feel I'm a far more well-rounded, far more understanding person than possibly all those years ago. So I think, you know, every every step, I think I think one of the most important steps for me was obviously becoming a mother, and I think that has such a different uh, swing on things because business is one thing, but when you're a mother, you know, you you feel very responsible, and and life life changes on on a daily basis. So you can never say from one day or to the next what's going to happen. So I do have two beautiful boys, which I'm very proud of, 
And over and above that, I think my work with charity organizations, um, being the patron of Cancer Association in Gauteng, I think that gives you a lot of empathy, and I think it keeps your feet on the ground. And so with everything that's come along, all the, 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 the downs especially, you know, going back to the basics, going back to my parents, because they were just such incredible people who gave their kids a great foundation. And I always go back to that platform and say, okay, this has happened or that's happened. Mm. How do we deal with it? How do we go forward? And I just remember the manners. And I think that's what's so lacking these days out there is that people have everything is so instant and so immediate that people don't take time to for mm. the niceties and I always say a please and a thank you go a long way um, but yet I think that's been lost along the way so two steps back you say you don't regret anything but that attitude often comes with life and experience and more context did you always feel that way did you go through life thinking I'm, I'm not regretting anything I'm not reg- I'm just living or were there times obviously that one didn't have that context no obviously I mean in some of the the the, the dark sort of moments you just you know one just sits there and thinks oh my gosh how do we get out of you know how do how do we change this how do we you know rise above this but you know, I think I'm a very positive person, and I think that's the other attribute that I might have, because I know that nothing will stay the same. Nothing ever stays the same, regardless of, of where you are. Things change. It's ever-changing, and that's what makes life so interesting. So I'm a very much that kind of a believer, and and I just feel you've got to deal with your challenges, deal with whatever comes along, head on, and, and work it out. In a, in a good positive way, you know, not you don't go and demolish things around you. I find that's too destructive. You know, you, you grow from it and you grow, you grow from those, those challenges as well and, and how you come out of it and, you know, what people's perceptions of you are once you've come through that. And I think that's very important. Are there things that you wish you'd shaken off? I mean, it's amazing. I, I, I haven't necessarily followed you over the years. Um, I'm 50 now, so I'm not a kid anymore. You're a baby. I'm a baby. <laughs> but, but Compared to me, you're a baby. But you can't think or read Edith Fenter without the Bill Fenter coming into the no, picture. obviously. So that, did you ever want to shake off that part of your life? I mean, there was such a prominent part in what he built and so on, yet you've become your own person. You always were. But you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I, I, I empathize with that kind of part no. of life. But that's also part of what you accept and taught you a lot no for me that was a very huge growing part of my life I mean I was thrust into a different um, a, a level and remember I, I had my two sons so you know there was so many amazing things that came through from that time of my life and so no not at all I mean I learned so much I traveled a lot um, I had my two sons so there was so much that came out of that mm-hmm. but when that fell away I was determined to become my own person, and and I grew myself from there. And so whatever I've achieved has been because of me um, mm. from that point onwards and what I've offered and what I've brought to business. I guess I've heard people say it in different ways. If you don't learn from experiences what you were supposed to learn, then more experiences will come to keep uh, teaching you. I, I know, yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, learn from it, appreciate yes, it, yes. don't regret it, and yeah. move on, and then other experiences will come. Absolutely. You know. And 
don't forget, I mean, through, I mean, in my life, I've had so many amazing things that have happened. You know, it's not just the, the challenges. I mean, there's just been so many incredible things. And, you know, sometimes I just sit back and I think, wow, you know, I'm truly blessed. I really am. And I think that's always what's driven me as well is to, because I came from a very humble home, and there's so much need out there in the country these days, especially, that um, if my name can lend a helping hand anywhere out there, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, I, I need to. And that's what I encourage young people to do as well. And young sort of up and coming uh, celebrities or influencers, as they call themselves these days, you know, use your name to for better good, you mm. know, to, to do something meaningful because there's you can be a role model to so many younger people out there Mm. and I get to mentor many of them so you know that's my life's work I think why all the charities I understand the cancer one logically father passed away I think yes so one could argue or you were probably involved before but but the, the attachment there but there's several that you're involved with So, so how did that come as you were like the Billionaire's wife and ambassador, did it come from there or is it just why? No, strangely enough, the charity work came after. So, yes, my dad passed away from cancer, and so I became very much involved because they, the people within the Cancer Association were so incredible that I thought I need to get involved here to give back a little, to say thank you, and I could. Um, once my life changed, and and I realized that I enjoyed, you know, helping, assisting wherever I could. And I had built my, my name at that stage. And I just felt, let's, let's carry on with this. And I just wish I could do more because, I mean, there are, as you well know, there's just so many places and things and organizations that all do incredible work and really just five minutes of your time makes such a difference and I always say to people even if it's one hour a week or one hour a month or something a year go and do it because it's worthwhile but we're so consumed just to stay alive aren't we and just to make your business uh, survive and uh, life is just demanding so much from people and yet there's more and more needs like that out there so it's going opposite ways it it feels to me absolutely in some ways than than uh, than what it ought to yeah yeah is that your feeling Uh, you know i remember sitting with catherine constantinidis the other day who's into climate and Mm. into society very well does amazing incredible things energetic she's out there all Mm. the time and i was saying it must be challenging because you're always trying to mobilize human beings who are so busy with their own lives yeah understandably so rushing the kids to school trying to keep my little business going just the corporate environment expects so much from me so it's difficult in that space, isn't it, to, to try and get people to join you? Absolutely. You know, I just go back and say, well, if you can just do just a little bit, you don't have to let it consume your life. Because, mm. yes, you, one has responsibilities. I have, I have a husband. I have children. You know, I have uh, co- work colleagues. So we need to, to concentrate on that. But in doing that, and we're lucky because through the eventing that we do, a lot of those events go to help charity organizations raise funding, raise awareness. Mm. So, we, yes, we are a little bit in that space, and that can make a difference. But, you know, from a corporate point of view, yes, corporates do so much, um, and they have their doors knocked on 
20,000 times a day, I'm sure, you know, mm. please, sponsorships for this, for that. We find it harder and harder to get those sponsorships. But I always say, you know, just sort of try and share it out a little because um, I must say, though, too, with regards to corporates is that, you know, they earmark charity organizations that they support. Yeah. And, and that goes a long way, too. But it is hard. Sometimes it's very difficult because people become very insular and very focused and sort of an island with regards to that kind of thing. But we need to just spread it a bit. Yeah, not everyone can be Edith's or Catherine's or no. just do a little bit. Where you stand, get just involved a, somewhere. I always hmm. say bake a chocolate cake and drop it at the old daged home down the road from you. Just that gesture hmm. makes a huge difference. How hard is that? And we've got home industry, so go and buy one and drop it there. Yeah. That's how easy it is. So, you know, everyone says, oh, I don't have time. I don't this. You do. You do. You yeah. always do. Your book, The Art of Good Living, what is the art? I know you can't give it the whole book. <laughs> well, but I mean, the, the Art of Good Living was just really on my life story, on, on you know, what's happened to me, uh, the, the, all the crazy stuff. And, and to just keep living in a, a good way, a healthy way, a positive way. So the book was about that and inspirational, which is what a lot of my motivational uh, talks are about as well. So when you stand up in front of a group of women or women and men, it's now Women's Month, mm-hmm. so it's on my mind. Do you, in general, have a key message? What do you drive home in those kind of conversations? Um, it's when, I, when I'm addressing, especially in around Women's Month, it's all about um, making sure that you are treated with respect because I think the country we live in, we see it every day. It's, it's, it's in the newspapers, it's on television, it's everywhere. The, the, the abuse of women and children, um, the disrespect, the, the, the high rate of, of femicide that we have, which is completely out of line. And yet we live in a country that has the best constitution that's been written for women. I mean, Nelson Mandela did that for women. And so what has happened and what we see happening is, is, is shocking. So my, my message always is obviously how you project yourself and then not allowing yourself to be disrespected or abused or mm. or anything in that regard because it's just not on. Is the art of good living the same as the art of success, do you think? I think it goes a little hand in hand. Um, but, uh, you know, how does one define success? Is it your bank account? Is it the number of friends you have? Is how do you it, define I mean, it? I, I just... For me, my success has been the fact that I love getting up in the morning, facing a day, knowing that the day is not going to be the same as yesterday because we're in that kind of business, and just how I interact with people so that at the end of the day, for me, when I put my head on that pillow, I can say it was great, there were challenges maybe some disappointments, some really fabulous stuff, a great contract or another lovely event or whatever that we've been given, and knowing that I've, I've helped somewhere along the, la- the, 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 mm. the line. So for me, it always goes back to 
to, you know, have I made a difference that day in a positive kind of way? And for me, that's good living. So you don't have in your life, yeah, you don't have a vision of achieving something necessarily. It's sort of a day-to-day purpose that drives you. It's more on a day-to-day basis. And obviously, I mean, I'm getting to the point in my life now where I need to start looking and thinking, well, how do you carry on? You know, how do you carry on going forward at the rate you are? But I feel great. And as long as I feel like that and I feel I can make a difference, I'm going to carry on making that difference. So we'll see how life takes me and where it takes me. And hopefully lots of more exciting things along the way. Edith, it's the Leadership Masterclass. Just give us your feelings, thoughts on the state of leadership in the world today. Do you really want me to go there? We've got to go there. (laughs) Do we have to go there? Okay, well, I mean, for me, it's maybe it's because I've lived many years, and so things were handled so differently in years gone by with, you know, within the country and around the world and you look at what's happening around the world you look at I just take America and I I just I just look at their leadership and think good grief what happened you know that's the greatest power in the world and that's how it's being managed in that kind of fashion and we go back to those those do not be abused and do not be disrespected and you know and that comes within business and all of those sorts of things as well so for me that's just a bit scary you know some people say it works I I don't know I I just feel I don't like it and if we look in our own country I think we've just come through a period where you know I mean it was always going to be difficult to fill the shoes of Nelson Mandela Mm. and and the the absolute um, what an incredible person human being that was for the whole world there and he shared himself with everyone for him that was totally important that everyone was included and then we went into quite a dark side of 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 our history i think of you know and it's going to take us a while i think to get out of that but hopefully you know leadership is changing maybe we're getting back onto that kind of positive road again and I I pray because I feel we just have the most incredible country and Mm. there is so much for everyone so you know I just keep I say it's going to come right it's going to be fine it's going to be okay and I know there's a lot of nervous people out there but I think leadership needs to stand up and be accountable and 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 speak out and I think people Corporate has corporate to, as well, yeah. and I think as a private citizen as well, we need to stand up and make ourselves heard. You know, it's no good saying, "Oh, well, somebody else will do it." You know, somebody's going to fix it. You know, let them take the flack. It doesn't work like that, and um, mm. we need to make sure that, uh, yeah. So, so I mean, corporate. We we when we say state of leadership, we very easily obviously turn to the political realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a time when we thought corporate leaders were kind of exemplary, ethical and yeah. moral. Yeah. But we've had so many incredible examples of late where that toxic environment seemed to have infult- infiltrated, or maybe it was always um, toxic, corporate yeah. environment. So everywhere, 
leaders yeah. need to rise up and, and, and be their best. Absolutely. I mean, just within corporate, you look at all the frauds and the scams and the horrors of, of people, you know, of, lead, of leaders within those corporates absolutely decimating um, people that have invested in their company, you know, all yeah. of those sorts of things. And that's, you know, for me, that's, that's very sad. Edith, uh, I did a, a poll mm. yesterday, in fact, so it's fresh oh, okay. on Twitter. Yes. I made a statement. Yes. And I sent it out there. I asked people to agree or disagree. So I guess I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree as well. And then I'll ask okay. you to guess what the result was. Okay. And maybe we can talk around that. But just to set the scene in terms of your comments on the state of leadership, I said the problem of weak, toxic leadership is destroying our world. Economically, politically, socially, morally, health-wise. I mean, you can imagine what toxic, weak leadership do for people's stress levels, mm. relationships, and so on. Mm. Then I, in the statement, I said, we need a greater and more coordinated effort to create awareness of authentic leaders and authentic leadership. And then we need to get better at developing them. Mm. So that was the whole statement. Mm. Agree, disagree. I agree. I agree that it has become very toxic. I agree with what you've just said, that we've got to make it better. We've got to improve it. So, yes, I agree. I definitely don't disagree that it hasn't been toxic. Definitely not. So, so what do you think the percentage was overall in the end? Uh, people like Tuli Mononcella and Gareth Cliffery tweeted. Uh, who agreed? What percentage agreed? What percentage disagreed? I would say that it... I would I would hope that it would be more the disagreeing, or no, agreeing, on, yeah. agreeing yeah. because of the toxic and yeah. all of that kind of thing. Um, so I would say maybe depend on who you spoke to, <laughs> whether they had their hands in the till or not. Let me relieve you of your. <laughs> I would say maybe about eighty twenty percent. Yeah, it was it was ninety two eight. Oh, good! I'm glad. I'm in favor of what you say. I'm so happy about that. What's interesting is after, sorry to interrupt you, after it was a 24-hour poll, mm. after 23 and a half hours, mm. we were at a certain number, and it was 92.8. And then I asked Tuli Manoncella, who was very influential, and Gareth Cliff to, yes. re, to retweet as well. Yes. The numbers doubled, yes. and it remained the same. Good. So that is clearly how society feels. But, but do people realize what they say when they say yes? Is our country, our society being destroyed on our watch? Because that's the statement. The yeah. problem of weak, toxic leadership is destroying our world. And we all say yes. 92% say yes. yes. But, but what, what are we that? doing? What are we doing about yeah. it? it goes that's back why to I said we've got to stand up, stand up and make people accountable and make leaders accountable and make um, all, and corporates accountable because I think it's very important. Otherwise, the world will fall apart. And I think it also goes back to what Catherine does as well. We need to nurture our environment. It's all part of the greater picture. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, you can't just live as if there's no tomorrow. You know, one has to be accountable. It's very important. That came up quite strongly mm. in the conversation with Catherine is the realization yeah. everything's interlinked. Absolutely. More than ever before. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. What kind of leaders do we need in, our, in this Environment. So some attributes. What do you think we need to look for and insist? You said women must insist and make sure that they are not disrespected. If they do, then that will remain. Mm -hmm. 
what must we insist on in terms of the kind of leaders we want in our society? Because we seem to settle for the worst in some cases. Well, because they almost become like demigods in a way where they feel they're untouchable and they need to understand that they're not. And we need to make them accountable. And we need to take them to court. We need to find the justice. We need to make sure that they stand up and they face what they've done and not things not just swept under the carpet or it's okay because there's another there's another big pot to dip our fingers into and we'll sort that out somehow or another i mean we've got dire situations we've got education problems we've got health problems we've got housing problems that's why you have unhappy people and you know we've got the crime because people are desperate people are seriously desperate and you know suddenly you know that goes up and this goes up because we have to not fix the 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 sins of people who have plundered mm. you know parastatals you know all of those sorts of things and we've got to fix it as a, as a layman who works hard pays taxes you know does everything that they need to do and um you know now we've got to to fix that we it's it needs to stop okay, so what attributes it would needs you, to stop what, what 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 should we look for i think we need a, a leader that has good business sense because at the end of the day you're dealing with it's it's like a big corporate but even more so because there's many more sort of uh, uh, fingers to it but I think somebody who understands that and understands the consequences or the responsibilities and then if one does not face up to those resp- what the consequences are going to be because you have a, a collapsing country and um, and that's just, for me, it's not on. We need to choose our leaders a lot more carefully. Hmm. Um, yes, I know we often go to that voting with, with, and we vote with our hearts and whatever, but I think we start to need, need to start using our heads. I think it's been enough time now. We need to look and say, well, who we always voted for, have they made a difference? You know, what is happening out there? You know, is my life better? And if not, then maybe we need to look for alternatives. You started your business years ago. How recently was it rebranded to Ultimate Group? Oh, just like in the last year or so. Okay. Yeah. So tell us what you do, because it's in the PR space, event space. Uh, Surely that links back to helping leaders position themselves um, you know, more than ever before, we need reputational damage control. That's maybe not where you function, but man, there's a lot of that in our society. What does is, what is your business do? Primarily, our main business is eventing. So it's anything to do with eventing from conferencing to exhibitions to major award events, um, launch events, whatever the, the client might need. So anything more than five people is an event. So, you know, we work in that space. But we've done some pretty big things and work for some very big corporates as well, which Mm. we're very proud of. So that's our primary goal. Spin-offs from that is PR, is a little bit of marketing, and, and we deal very, very closely with media. And then also from my point of view, my motivational speaking so it all sort of flows out from from that. The the spin-off is PR. I'm just wondering if one can give any advice to leaders. We live in a society where social media is rampant. Mm-hmm. It's it's the new way. 
leaders step into the mud all the time, don't they? Any advice you want to give leaders there? I mean, they shouldn't be scared to be out there, but yet... I think they need to think a little before they push that button to send or to post or to whatever. They need to read it again. And then maybe if they're not too sure, go to bed and wake up in the morning and read it again and then maybe post. I just think... And what I went, I said right in the beginning, we live in an instant world. Everything is instant. People want a reply instantly. Yeah. Um, there's no, you know, sort of, I'll call you tomorrow. It's not. It's now. Mm. So people react in the now. And often people react out of frustration or anger or whatever. And it's something that I've learned and I've, it's, it's it's held me in good stead is that I will never respond in anger. I might get something and I might and immediately my reaction is ah and I just say stop, get up, walk out. Type and that email but go you don't and send have it. a cup of tea, go <laughs> and do whatever you have to because this it's not a good time to, to respond to this. And by doing that I often find that when I do come and look at it again I think about it and I approach it in a very different way. So it becomes a more positive kind of a response and it often deflates the situation. Mm. And I think if more leaders did that or people or whatever, there would be a lot less, they would be in a lot less trouble than what they do because it's just, I mean, you think, how do you say something like that? Or, oh. and, and the thing is, once you push that button, it's around the world. It's not even in your neighborhood anymore. It's not even yeah. in your country. It's not even in your city. It's around the world. And to, you know, to get through that becomes... So the contradiction we live in here, or the polarity show. almost we live in, is, is the fact that the world expects the immediate response. Yeah. Yet, more than ever, you shouldn't, because if you respond in anger or immediately mm. and wrong, it goes all over. It goes viral. Absolutely. So all these contradictions leaders have to face, mm. uh, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. And remember, you know, you're putting things on Facebook and out there on social media. You know, if, if you're a young person or whatever, and you're going for a job interview, what do you think the person, the HR person interviewing you is going to do as soon as you walk out the door. They're going to go and have a look at your Facebook profile okay. or your social pro- your social media profile and see what kind of a person you are. And you posted all those pictures and, you know, having a good time and drinking all those whatevers or, you know, carrying on like a lunatic. I mean, you need to be very careful because once it's there, it's history yeah. and it can be found. And... So I always say to young people when I speak to them, yes, social media is great. And, and from a business point of view, it's incredible. But be careful, you know, what you post on, that it doesn't come back and bite you in the bottom. Luckily, we, I call Facebook life. You know, people in general, general post all the fun things and their mm-hmm. lives look so perfect yes. and so wonderful. And in reality, it's not. You know, we don't post the the child crying. We post the picture of the child smiling in the end. Exactly. <laughs> not what it took to get the child there. <laughs> exactly. Um, all those sort of things. Edith, who do you admire? Who inspires you? Or who have, over the years, inspired you? And in that, I'm just a caveat. At the end, I'm asking, did you meet Nelson Mandela? Because something tells me you may have. Yes, I, I look did. at your history, where you come from. You. It was at a time when Mandela was prominent yes, as well. So very much so. Just, just 
Tell us no, I did, but not not sort of in depth, sort of at events and at certain functions. I did, and he was an incredible man in that he always remembered you. Mm. And I would think, how? Because I can't remember everyone I meet, and this man has met people from all over the world. Yeah. So how do you? have that wonderful ability and he was always so humble as well like you know he was like surprised that you wanted to speak to him or greet him or chat to him he was just such an incredible person I think the other person that has inspired me hugely was Benazir Bhutto who was the um, she was assassinated Pakistani from the Bhutto family in Pakistan and she was exiled. She went into exile. And while she was in exile, I had the privilege of having a, a one-on... Well, there were four of us at a dinner in London where somebody, my friend had said, I want you to meet someone this evening because you, I just feel you would get on very well with her. And I went into dinner not knowing, and I walked in, and there was this woman. I was gobsmacked. What a gracious woman. She was in exile. Her husband was in prison at that stage in Pakistan. Yeah. Family members had been murdered. Her children. I mean, it was, it was a hectic situation. And here sat this absolutely beautiful woman with her, her beautiful scarf. And she was so very much like Mandela in a way. Just so calm and peaceful, didn't wish anyone any harm with all the stuff that had happened to her. There was no anger. There was no bitterness. And she just said, my objective and my focus is that I'm going to go back to Pakistan, regardless of what happens, because my people need me. And she did. Shortly after meeting her, I actually brought her to South Africa. And it was it was through Women's Month. And she came out and she addressed uh, an audience and she started mentioning things like the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, and we had never heard of them hmm. before. Those, those, we never knew those words. And it was literally she went back, and it was about two or three months later that those, those words and those names started coming to the fore with things that started happening around the world. And she, in fact, did go back to Pakistan. And she said, I'm going to run for election. And, of course, sadly, she was assassinated. So how long after you met her did that happen? Oh, that happened a good few years after I met her. And we, we were, became very, very good friends. So mm. we did speak and we met. Uh, you know, we met on occasion. She was, for me, she was the ultimate incredible person. Well, you've got so many big things happening in your life and you can still be gracious. And I, I sense that from a Tuliman Sela. Have you yeah, met her? I have. I have a book right there. Oh. <laughs> and um, she also she has is, that. She has even in the middle exactly, of all the crisis. Now she is another person that I hugely admire because she is exactly that kind of person, mm. gracious and calm, and speaks without any kind of anger or animosity or frustration or. And I'm sure she must feel it at some point, but she never ever shows it. And again, she always puts across a positive kind of presence as opposed to a negative. Incredible woman. Unbelievable mm. woman. So those are, I mean, you more particularly mentioned your friend from Pakistan and, and the impact she had on you. And then I snuck in Mandela. No, I'm glad you did. Because, well, Mandela, <laughs> you know, I think yeah. is the ultimate for everyone who's ever come, crossed yeah. his path. And maybe even if you haven't, just because of what he's done and what he 
he allowed us to do in this country. Mm. I mean, the world was sitting here waiting for us to go up in flames, and we didn't. Mm. In fact, the reporters got very bored, thinking, well, when is the Mm. fun going to start happening? Because obviously often that's what they want, and yet we had this peaceful election, peaceful transition, and this all-encompassing kind of person. Mm. And so he obviously is, is without doubt, one of the ultimates. But, um, you know, Thule for me is an incredible person. It's actually remarkable how, I don't want to use the word popular because that's almost not how admired and respected she has become in this country. It's actually almost frightening. Mm. And in this world of ours, people like that just, like her, just don't become president. No. Isn't that sad? Well, I said, I joked with her and I said, please. A lot of people have. Can't you? I'll vote for you like in a heartbeat. (laughs) Just go and do it. You know, we need somebody with that kind of brain, you know, that kind of presence. We just need somebody like that, that can mediate situations and deal with them correctly. Now, you're a small business owner. Oh, yeah. Very, very Um, small. So as we sort of wind down the conversation, just for our small business owners who who think things just come easy for a Edith Venter who's got a brand and who's been around the block in life. Um, what's your tip to small business owners? Because that's what our country needs as well, isn't well, it, to create jobs? In fact, our country runs on small business, um, on, on those little home industry kind of places, you know, your little pop-up whatever's here, there, and everywhere. And you see incredible innovations of, of what people are doing because they might have been retrenched or they need a job or they need to keep their families going. So there's amazing small businesses out there. But I always say if you are going to carry on with this, understand that you need to give yourself at least two years before you start to see, unless you come up with something that's totally incredible and just takes off in a, in a, in a heartbeat. But generally it takes a good two years to get yourself out there, to get your product known or whatever it is that you're offering out there um, and but keep at it if you can because it's so worthwhile I could never imagine myself going back into corporate ever if you need a decision you can make one right now you know you don't have to go through a million red tapes and forms and things and whatever you know you you can it's your business and you can be, be proud of it and you can make those deci- decisions so for me I think just keep keep going because we actually need more small business in this country. It's what's going to, I think, save us at the end of the day. You know, it's just your final message to leaders out there. You can tailor it to women leaders, doesn't matter, but just to leaders in our country, in the world, what would it be? I saw those two executives today when I said I'm going to sit with you and interview you. They said that'll be interesting. Uh, and, uh, so, so, so you have a captive audience. What would you say to to leaders out there in today's world? I would say, you know, whatever it is, whether you're in government, in business, or whatever the situation, is to be fair. You know, be honest and be fair. And if you can be that, as well as, I mean, yes, we have to take some tough de- decisions, and that's fine. But be fair in the way you deal with your staff, with your subjects, with your whatever you want to call them. Um, just be fair and be respectful, you know. And, uh, you know, if those tough de- decisions need to be made, then at least do them in a kind way in a in a respectful way so that you know one is not left devastated or 
or seriously unhappy. I think we see too much of what happens out there with people losing jobs or whatever and, you know, the tragedies that happen afterwards. And mm. we don't need that. I think if, if people are just treated fairly. Mm. Edith Fenter, thank you so much for spending Such a pleasure. some time with us on the Global Leadership Platform and uh, giving your views on leadership and for fighting the fight, building your own small business, but reaching so many people in the process anyway. Thank you. I think it just, you know, if we all just take our own little steps and help in our own little ways, we make that a much bigger, more special space. Thank you so much, Edith Fenter, on the leadership platform of uh, The Ultimate Group. And she does events and PR, marketing. Yeah, I'm sure she does a good job of that. It's great to have her with us. Look forward to being with you again next week um, with our top leader interview. Cheers, everyone. This is CliffCentral.com.